The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Dewald, joined by Brian Wilcox down in Denver. Brian, how are you doing today? Good, man. Been an up and down week in uh, <laughs> Rip City, hasn't it? It's such a weird time. Like, I, I keep talking about this with people. You know, because typically people text me and, you know, hey, what are you thinking? And we, I think we all have those people in our lives because yeah, yeah. typically if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a little bit more of a diehard fan than, than some of the people in your social group. So I just keep coming back to the idea that like this is uncharted territory. This is a this is a weird time to be a Blazers fan. And I mean, mainly I'm referring to the investigation that's going on with Neil O'Shea, which is ongoing at the time of this recording. Uh, the last we kind of know is it's expanded to interviewing players. So, so the scope of this process continues to get larger and larger. Um, also, you know, since we last spoke, Chris McGowan, uh, president of the Blazers, mainly on the business side, um, mm-hmm. also stepped down. Uh, apparently, he stepped down on November 1st, and this was just made public this last week, which the timing of everything just seems insane right now. So definitely uncharted territory uh for me since i've been covering this team so but we're not here to talk about that today we're here to talk about basketball like we promised oh. last week so yeah we're um, not touching it we're not well, touching yeah it. yeah i'm there, there'll be a time hopefully you know whether whatever the verdict is on, on this investigation or whatever comes from this investigation you can bet we're going to cover it but um, until we get a major break on that we're, we're going to kind of push that to the side and actually talk about some basketball um like Brian said, up and down week for the Blazers. They've looked good. They've looked a little rough. So let's start with the rough, and we'll we'll kind of end on, on a happier note. Um, they really went down. Brian had front row seats to this one. Um, yes. They really laid an egg against Denver, and, and it's 
you know, one of their, their weaker performances I've seen, um, they did finally get a road win against the Rockets, but a hardly a convincing win. Mm-hmm. And then also lost to Phoenix in there. Um, it is important to note against Denver, Damian Lillard finally took some time to, to rehab his abdominal issue. But, you know, with Damian Lillard or not, you know, you're facing a Denver team that does not have Jamal Murray, did not have Will Barton. Um, Michael you know, Porter. Did not have Michael Porter Jr. So really it's mm-hmm. tough to use the injury excuse uh, in a game that was not close throughout the, the whole contest. Um, you know, Chauncey Billups has had some quotes recently that we want to get into before we get what Brian saw up close. And I think he can confirm some of what what we, we see on TV and also what some of these coaches are talking about. So Chauncey Billups, uh, in a conversation that was highlighted by Jason Quick of The Athletic, is basically hinting that the Blazers ha- have some guys that are struggling on defense. He, he names Robert Covington for one, um, but also just talks about how teams really – impose their will will against the Blazers. And that's definitely not, it's definitely a continuation of kind of what we've seen from this team in the past. And that change on defense is yet to come. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, Roy Rogers, the assistant coach kind of follows it up with, you know, I I believe in the halftime interview uh, highlighted by Dan Morang. I I didn't catch it, but basically, you know, I just wish our guys would would come out and compete. (laughs) Which, which is, uh, you know, a pretty damning thing to say as far as when you're talking about a team's effort and what they're doing out there. So with all that said, Brian, walk me through what you're seeing, because there are little things you catch when you're in person that, that you don't really see when you're at home. So what, what are you seeing in that Denver game? What stood out to you? I just want to highlight what Roy Rogers said. I wish our guys would have competed, too, because <laughs> that was not a very enjoyable game. And it might have been the worst blazer game i've been to in like a decade and like you know obviously there was a little bit of letdown there knowing dave's not going to play at least Jokic was playing for denver because he is a joy to watch out there so i was curious to see how the pieces had come together and then portland just came out and laid an absolute egg you know they were down 33 to 18 in the first and it really wasn't that close i'm sure a lot of people watched it at home but Mm -hmm. There for a while, I was like, are we going to break 10 in this quarter? Because, I mean, it was just extremely disjointed. And, you know, from the get-go, the body language isn't looking great out there. At least, like, I don't know if they need, you know, maybe they do need Zach Collins, Steve, <laughs> on, on that contract just to just to provide a little bench, you know, a little, like- little bit of rowdiness on the bench. I don't know what they need, but it was it was amazing how flat they came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I don't want to go to that extreme because <laughs> I I don't need I don't it. either, but don't make me. Yeah, don't, don't make me. I think, and I don't know. We were going to save this for another show, but I kind of I think it's pertinent to talk about it now. I think there is a little fatigue on the fans' part, and also maybe that that's going on in the locker room. I think this is basically the same ingredients we've seen through the Dame era. I mean, certainly the post LaMarcus era. I mean, there are some new pieces. There's some new guys that are coming up that we're going to talk about a little later. But, you know, teams that don't win titles and don't make deep runs. I guess this team did have a Western Conference Finals run, but um, they don't stick around forever. 
and it does kind of, I think it kind of gets weird when you keep it together and you don't change things up. And I, I think it gets weird for a fan because, you know, I, I don't think I'm certainly alone where, you know, I'm having these conversations with people who are more casual fans, like I alluded to earlier, that are saying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just wait and see and I'll see what happens in the playoffs. Like they're already punting on the regular season this year. And, and I think it, it just does have to do with some fatigue with this team. Um, from effort to defense, we're seeing a lot of the same problems pop up regardless of the coaching change. Um, it, it's guys, and they're just getting beat in like half court sets, something we talked about on this podcast. It's not like they're, you know, I mean, they've got the turnover issues kind of under control, but they just can't play fundamental defense. They're having a hard time covering guys. They're having a hard time following sets, like multi-action movements. There's just no, I don't know if it's effort or, or what what's going on, but it's just there's no execution when it comes to a lot of that. And that's leading to, you know, lo and behold guys are having career nights against the blazers still they're they're shooting the lights out they're raising their shooting percentage against the blazers um am i off base by by uh, the the fatigue factor or or is that just me being a uh, a little bit of a downer to start the year we have a new sponsor that you guys are i want to tell you a story it's a story about a scandal broken relationships gossip rumors money corporate rivalry and a broom a performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you're in cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means that even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. 
Hey, I want to tell you guys all about the brand new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is a live audio-only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there bright and early every Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it done, peeps. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're all a little frustrated, I think even though there are signs of life, which we'll get into here. Um, but I just kind of want to highlight another, we're very quote heavy, I think earlier in this episode. And, and it's because a lot of the things that are coming out of coaching staff in particular have been very telling and descriptive of what's kind of happening around the team. And um, Jason Quick in The Athletic had an article the other day where Chauncey, you know, and this is kind of summarizing, but essentially says that he, he wishes that the Blazers weren't, just a counter-punching team. They wait until the team jumps all over them until they do something. And it seems like Portland for years has struggled to impose a will on opponents and really just take care of business. It's always got to be back and forth and they get hot and pull away or whatever that is. But that's part of the fatigue on my end. I would really like to see this team just come out guns blazing and try to bury somebody early exactly like that Nuggets team did, which Mm -hmm. frankly did not have an edge in talent in that game. They did have the best player of the game, which says a lot in the NBA, but you you go one through nine and and it wasn't even close. Maybe he's a little little close, but especially the back end of the bench. You know what I mean? Portland really had the advantage there. So, I mean, I think this gets into a concept what we always talk about is the Blazers are the master of playing to their level of competition, which I understand that like the NBA – there, there is increasing parity in a lot of maybe not necessarily the top tier, but those middle tiers, there's a lot of parity in there year over year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying you got to come out and just blast people every night, but it'd be nice to, to see more consistently the Blazers imposing their will and a team reacting to them mm-hmm. instead of the other way of, all right, looks like we can't stop this team on defense tonight. How are we going to overcome this with an otherworldly performance on offense? And, and you know, that's fun. That could be exciting. But over time, you just know that is not a winning recipe when you get to the postseason, when you get against elite competition to just punt on one side of the ball. It's just not going to work. And and I just don't see barring something changes, which we're going to get into, uh, that, that getting any better. So before we get into some of the bench guys and the role players, I think it is important to mention that Damian Lillard, something we've talked about on this show is he's kind of, he's warming up. Um, he took a little time to rest. It wasn't enough time. That's to be seen. Um, that, that injury seems like one that's going to be bothersome until you really kind of take some time to rest. But, you know, just in the month of November, he's finally above 40% field goal shooting. He's above 30% in three point shooting, which that doesn't sound like world beating numbers, but when you consider that, You know, through the six games he played in October, he was 35% from the field, 23% from three. So there has been improvement, especially in these last couple, you know, these last couple games, he's he's really turned it around and and is really consistently, you know, 20-point scorer. He's still getting a lot of guys involved with his assist numbers. Assist numbers look good this year. Um, Brian, what have you seen from Dame recently that's that's a sign of him? you know, encouragement. Yeah. I mean, you just pull the last five games in particular, Steve, he's at 25 points, 47% shooting. He's shooting about eight threes, making 37%, five and a half boards and seven assists. Mm -hmm. That's basically 
kind of day being back, it might not feel exactly the same. And I think a lot of that is he's still adjusting to some of these rule changes and this app thing is a real deal. I think that personally, I think this app thing, you know, it's not good. I think he might be playing through this for the entire season. I mean, I could yeah. see him taking some, don't buy any blazer tickets on back-to-back nights is all I'm saying. <laughs> he might not be playing. But, um, you know, the, the biggest thing is he hasn't shot more than, he still hasn't shot more than five th- free throws in a game this year. Mm-hmm. But he's essentially averaged seven or more for the last, you know, six, seven years. And so he's still adjusting. The rule changes this year have really impacted him. I started kind of cherry picking some stuff because I was kind of looking at, you know, Dame's obviously struggling in a vacuum, but how, how are the, how's the rest of the league doing? Mm-hmm. And I went and looked at guys six foot or shorter and just points per game and graded league-wide scoring is down a tick this year with some of those defensive rule changes. But last year there were 13 players who scored 20 points or more on the, on the year. And this year, that's down to seven. And so you're talking in, you know, almost 50% reduction there where it's like a, you know, like a less than 20% reduction on 20-point scores as a whole. So I think that maybe some of these smaller guys are just getting – the rule changes are impacting them much more than some of these larger guys who can kind of withstand more contact and, and maybe their games are modeled a little differently. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on the optimistic side, we are seeing Dame really – you know, these last five games kind of come around. So huge sign of optimism for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, I mean, when it comes to league-wide scoring and these smaller guys but struggling, I mean, this goes into those those arguments that we've heard over and over and over again, era over era of, you know, all well, these guys wouldn't have held up in the 90s, you know, w- with the hand-checking and stuff. Now, we're, the pendulum hasn't fully swung back the other direction, nor do I think it will, but – it has moved maybe it's met its apex to one side as far as just free flowing offense. And now it's going to come back in. Now, like you said, those percentages of reductions, that's probably a little extreme. I would expect those numbers to come up a little bit, especially as guys adjust, but, Mm -hmm. but it's not totally shocking, but with Dame, you do see, especially early on, just some of the stuff he's trying to do contorting his body and trying to get, you know, looking for contact. I mean, it's not quite as egregious and maybe, you know, it's the fan in us that we turn a blind eye to it sometimes. I mean, it's not Trey Young or James Harden out there, but it exists. I mean, every star Mm -hmm. guard in this league kind of does something along those lines. Um, I do think he is adapting. Uh, And with three-point shooting, and especially with a player like Damian Lillard, it's not like he's this Steph Curry pure shooter. Now, the numbers especially from long range are comparable. Like he's one of the really good long range shooters, but so much of what Dame does is based on rhythm, confidence, the moment. And he's just got to get into those situations. He's got to continue to gain that rhythm. And we're, I think we're starting to see that hopefully knock on wood. It's it continues going forward, but managing his health is going to be something that's critically important not only for his long-term viability as a player firmly in his prime but also for this team and what they do moving forward because the ceiling for this team is firmly attached to what Damian Lillard is doing so you know I am encouraged I think you're encouraged too so it's not you know all doom and gloom but but that said there are some other starters that have kind of I I I don't really want to throw anybody under the bus this early in the season I mean we're only 15 games in, but you know, we're starting to get to a point where that's a, 
decent enough sample size. And I, I think, you know, the low hang fruit, as far as the starters go, is Robert Covington kind of just is not playing up to expectation. I mean, granted, his expectation, do I expect the same thing from Robert Covington that I expect for Dame Dillard or even Norman Powell? No, I do not, especially on the offensive end. But defensively, it just hasn't been there. And we've talked about this over and over and over again. He's not the type of player that can fix everything, but we expect him to be competent in his role. And we've just seen some lapses there. Offensively, his numbers have regressed. Um, field goal percentage-wise through 15 games, only 41% from the field, uh, below 40% from three, which he is above his career average in three-point three shooting, but you know it's still not above 40%, especially when you're – you know, a low volume shooter, you need to really be acting yeah. on those. So I don't know. I, I think of all the guys in the starting lineup, it's very clear that Robert Covington is the one who's probably hearing footsteps behind him. Uh, I'm interested to see what you think about the Robert Covington situation right now. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you're in cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account and use the promo code SD, and your deposit will be risk-free. That means that even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Hey, I want to tell you guys all about the brand new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is a live, audio-only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there bright and early every Saturday at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it done, peeps. Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, essentially his stats are down across the board. He is shooting slightly more effectively, but is on low volume, and so it's not really really moving the needle for this team. But you just look at his basketball reference page. Basically, since he got traded to Portland and right around the time he turned 30, there's been a pretty steep drop-off in his production across the board. Not that he's a guy that's all about counting stats, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's there to impact the game in a lot of different ways. Might not show up on the on the stat sheet, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like, oh shit, you know, hopefully this doesn't continue to where, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's not even a starter in this league anymore. It's been quite the drop off. And I don't know if it's more role and, and with this team, he's just not the right fit. Or if he is maybe hitting some sort of, you know, athletic decline, I, that doesn't really seem doesn't really scream out at me when I watch him that he's, he's, he's falling off athletically or anything. But to me, it seems where he's a step slow out there. It's, it's in his head. He's just kind of, you know, thinking rather than, than playing. And when those opportunities are scarce, especially on the offensive end, you know, a miss means more, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same idea of, you know, a backup quarterback coming into the NFL and throwing an interception. He's much, I, I would assume it's harder to shrug those off if you're, instead of you're a guy like, you know, Russell Wilson, who's, you know, the goldfish memory. Um, yeah, one, one other thing about Roko too is I believe it was in that quick piece after the Nuggets game and he, and he talked about kind of call out Covington for defense and I believe it was in this piece apologies if it's mm-hmm. not but he he kind of called out Roko as how he needs to be kind of a stopper more and like a yep. one-on-one guy 
And to me, I'm just going, you know, this is something we've talked about at nausea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's a free safety. He's not a press corner shutdown guy. You know, he, he's, he is good at help defense and making deflections and, and coming over on that weak side and, and to pencil him in as kind of a stopper as, as the head coach is, is a little surprising. Yeah. I think. I, I think what it with me to really boil it down of the simplest way would be, I think Robert Covington's a player who's capable of taking a good defense and making it great. I don't know if he's capable of taking a bad defense and making it passable. And, and I think those are two very different. Like if you're looking at like a chart, it's not quite linear between all those points, like going from bad to, you know, passable. That's a pretty big gap. I mean, we, we've seen it hard for teams to turn that corner, whereas going from good to great, you may be only a piece away or, or a slight wrinkle in your scheme to, to take that next step, a fresh set of eyes in the coaching staff maybe. Um, I, I think that was the worry when Robert Covington came here, and I think we're seeing it now, like you said, as he's aged. You know, he's on the other side of 30 now. And really, the, the personnel around him on this team, for instance, has not changed. I don't know if he can be the tip of the spear, which – I don't think any of us expected him to be the tip of the year, which brings us to our next guy we want to talk about, which is Yusuf Nurkic. Um, the big idea a lot, for on, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and this came from me and you, is the Blazers' defense is at its best when Yusuf Nurkic is doing Yusuf Nurkic things. He's healthy. He's on the floor. He's protecting the paint. And, and really, it's kind of the flip side of Robert Covington. When you look at Yusuf Nurkic's numbers – they're, they're on par with the, his entire career. I mean, just slightly less in scoring, but his efficiency numbers are are great. He's, I mean, not great, great, but they're good for him. I mean, they're some of his best numbers. Um, he's rebounding still. His assist numbers are down. His blocks are down. But it just feels like, and we, we've seen him sit out key portions of really important games in just recently. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Brian, what... What are you seeing from Yusuf Nurkic and what's concerning there? Because I think we're both concerned about how this is trending. Yeah, I I wonder if this defensive system's just not a fit. I mean, he certainly shows flashes when he comes up. And, you know, sometimes he's he's able to really hedge that pick and roll really well. But and other times you're you're really pulling away from the basket where he's most effective. And you know, you mentioned his block numbers are down. I don't really think that's a function of his play. I, I do think that that's system related, but mm-hmm. you just, you just kind of wonder if, you know, the foot speed's there to run this system. And, and it's, it's been a valid concern since mm-hmm. um, Chauncey, you know, kind of discussed implementing this, this new system well, on that end. So I, I think it's important you talk about blocks here because especially with an emotional type player, which I, I think Yusuf Nurkic is at his best when he's feeding off the energy in off his own game and his opponent, and he's rising to the occasion. And a block is such a statement stat and play in the game, especially for a seven-footer. Mm-hmm. For those to be cut in half for him per game, I wonder if that takes a toll on just, you know, kind of that fire that drives good use of Nurkic. And I wonder if there is some concern. You know, we talked about him being a player that's going to really harness the contract year, maybe – there there's some hesitation maybe there that that's in the back of his mind i i don't know i don't want to speculate on that but it just feels like something's 
not not quite right and he's not i don't know i'm just used to seeing a different level of passion i guess but it's really Mm -hmm. hard to like measure passion on a scale that that doesn't make us sound like assholes basically right yeah you know i know what you mean i i was watching him quite a bit during that denver game timeouts and he you know had a really poor game against a guy who's the you know MVP last year, but usually plays Nurkic extremely well, right? And mm-hmm. he played extremely poorly. And I was just seeing signs of frustration. I kind of wonder if, you know, for all that preseason talk about him getting more involved in the offense, his touches are actually down from last year. It's it's not a huge drop, but they're, but they're lower. And so, you know, a lot of the things that Billups hammered on and, and, and taking advantage of Nurkic haven't, haven't really come to roost, you know? And so mm-hmm. I wonder if his level of engagement offensively is just falling below his preseason expectations. And that's kind of just carrying over to all aspects of his play. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about something positive. A guy we haven't Let's talked get some about. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> a guy we haven't really talked about a whole lot on this podcast outside of the acquisition of, of him. And that's Larry Nance jr. Who is playing with a ton of energy seems to be finding his role, finding where he fits in this team, what, what he does well. And, you know, his per game numbers, they don't blow you away, but when you look at his per 36 numbers, which is just how he's competing when he's on the floor, it's a good way to look at what he's doing per possession when he's out there. It just kind of condenses everything when you're looking at per, per 36 numbers. He's on pace or, or right around some of his career best numbers. So he's certainly better than last year when, you know, he's dealing with different stuff. It's a Cleveland team that doesn't really know what direction they're going in, but he's really kind of turned it on. He's, he's looks like he's learning how to play off these guards and that's both in the starting lineup and in the reserve minutes, which makes me wonder, you know, We've seen it, you know, to go back to the quick article, you know, that the heading of that article that we keep referencing is, you know, changes in the rotation could be coming. And and I think a larger role for Larry Nash Jr., whether that is as a starter or not, I think that's got to be number one. And and by a slim margin, by a guy we're going to talk about next and this year, little, but I think Larry Nash Jr. is that guy. What have you seen? from Larry Nance that's encouraging for you? I mean, to the last four games, he's had double-digit points. Hadn't accomplished that feat all year long, you know, until recently. This really feels and looks like he's settling into his his role off the bench. I mean, this guy started a lot of games over the last few years, and there might have been a slight adjustment there. You are playing with um, a couple – granted, he played with Garland and Sexton and in, in Cleveland, who – had no reservations about firing it up, but you know, Damon yeah. CJ really are high usage guys and even Ant, you know, to a point when he's in there. So to your point, man, I think he's just kind of settling in, uh, getting his legs under him, getting a feel for this new coaching staff as well. I'm sure or new coaching staff for him. And I really like his rebounding. I mean, he's, he's rebounding at a higher rate than Covington and that's while sharing minutes with a lot of, or, you know, with Nas, who's been an absolute monster on the boards in some games. So I really like what he brings. He's nice in the short roll, off pick and rolls. Um, and it just seems like the team gels quite well when he's out there relative to when he's not, which is definitely a feel thing and an eye test thing. But you can kind of see it if you watch enough of these games that 
things just are, are a little smoother with dance out there. It seems like lately. Yep. Yep. So let, let's jump right into it. A guy we mentioned a couple of times already, Nasir Little. Um, first of all, he absolutely one of the best in-game dunks I've ever seen from a blazer mm-hmm. against the Rockets. Um, he continues to do things that we keep talking about where it's like, he's playing on fire. He doesn't give a shit. Like he is going after the ball. He's towing that line between out of control and energetic. And if you can thread that needle, man, does that look good? Especially when you're talking about a team that has a tendency, at least so far this season to look a little stale, look a little flat. When he comes in, he looks like he's, he's taking that next step. And something, you know, when we talked to Jonathan Sharks on the show earlier this year, you know, he mentioned, you know, oh, well, it's really kind of tied to his three-point shooting. His, the counter to this is this month he's, he's not shooting well from, from distance. He's 7 of 29 in the month of November. But he's still continuing to find ways to impact the game positively. You know, he had two double-digit scoring games before Toronto he is carving out a real role in this offense. And I really wonder, you know, there's enough pieces kind of coming into place here to where you're looking at the potential for an interesting trade. Maybe now I'm not saying any of these guys we mentioned are going to be a part of it, but you're starting to look at maybe working a con, you know, a consolidation trade to go out and get somebody. But even if not, it looks like you have these building blocks for the future here as far as Nasir Little, Anthony Simons, Larry Nance Jr. is still under contract for another year after this. So there's some there's some guys that you can build around and maybe you don't have as big of a headache as you thought you were going to have this offseason. But, you know, that's way too far ahead. In the short term, continuing to see the same things from Nasir Little, what, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, for a role player, he's just jumping off the court when he's out there. You know what I mean? Like – when, when Nas is out there, you know, he's flying around. He's doing things athletically that other guys just can't. And I think he's done a much better job this year of leveraging that athleticism in positive ways mm-hmm. and not being compl- maybe a little out of control at times, but I love it. But, you know, he's towing that line really well. And and uh, it's been fun to watch him kind of harness his physical gifts and, uh, you know, bring value to this team. Yeah, and, and I think this is one area where I think, I'm not afraid to really kind of credit the new coaching staff and mm-hmm. Damian Lillard here because I, I feel like he is playing like he, I, I think sometimes with Terry Stotts, especially with these younger guys, uh, especially in the, in the post, you know, Alan Crabb era, these guys have a quick hook a lot of the time. And, and I think Nasir has had the benefit of being able to play. Now, granted, typically he's playing well, but there are still some head scratchers in there, but I think, they really know how important he is to what this team's doing. Um, looking ahead where your guys are going to be listening to this most likely on Wednesday before the Blazers play Chicago. So the Blazers have a nice little three game homestand uh, play the bulls, the Sixers, and then they rematch with Denver on TNT. Um, hopefully Damian Lillard's up for that one. What are your expectations for the next three games? And, you know, I guess what are your hopes don't really have to get into predictions unless you want to. And my predictions have been so bad. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared to scared to put them in the internets. Yeah. Someone ever wants to pull the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know, man. I, these are three really tough teams and I just really would like to see them compete. Mm-hmm. They got to win one game really. Um, yep. But if, if they go one and two, but play some of these teams tough, this Bulls team in particular has been on fire. So mm-hmm. Really curious to see what happens there. 
Um, and just kind of like at a general high level, you know, we're 15 games in. I think typically you really start looking at what teams are at about game 20. Yep. And so after Bulls, 76ers, Nuggets, this is kind of getting into the next week, but then you have the Kings, which are, you know, okay, and then the Warriors. So mm-hmm. four out of your next five games leading up to that 20-game benchmark are against really good teams. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is going to be I, – I think that we're going to learn more about this Blazers team in games, you know, 16 through 20 than we probably learned in the first 15. I'd be willing to yeah. wager at least their long-term prospects. So yeah. to me, I'm looking for Damian Lillard to continue, um, you know, his, his improved play. I'm looking to see what Nurkic does because I think this is pretty critical. Uh, well, he's, you know, we've talked about it. He's critical for the team, how he, how he goes, the team goes often. So I'd like to see him kind of pull out of this maybe little emotional funk he might be finding himself in or whatever and just see this team come out and play hard. What about you, man? Uh, as far as Nurkic goes, well, it's fresh on my mind. I mean, depending on how some of these guys exit the COVID protocol, um, this is three matchups against three really good centers. This is how you, you know, you see where you stack up in the pecking order uh, of this league. So you got Vucevic in Chicago, Embiid, which both those guys have had recent run-ins with COVID. And then you have Jokic again. And so, like you said, Yusuf Nurkic is really important to watch in this. For me, it, it really comes down to the Chicago game because this is another opportunity to see, is this another team in the Bulls that is past the Blazers in the hierarchy of the NBA. Is this a team that went from a fringe playoff team to now they're firmly a playoff team? I mean, granted it's in the East, but have they taken that next step? Have they built around their star players and Zach Levine and Vucevic um, well enough to, to really put together a competent team and a team that could potentially exit the first round. And I think anytime the Blazers face a team like that, year over year it's worth watching it's worth seeing i think that's a good way before the postseason which that's typically how the season is always graded um fair or not of how they how they fare in the postseason but these are these are good tests these are good little benchmarks you know when you're taking a quiz and and you got to do like the quick little three question refresher like i think this is one of those ones where you can look and maybe see where you stand um so that's that's the one I'm really watching. Um, obviously, just better effort against Denver. It would be the hope. So oh, it, was, it was a tough watch, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it, wasted. Yeah, I, I you know I might I might venture out and go to it myself. Who knows? So there you go. All right, that's all we got for you guys this week. Um, very interesting time for the Blazers, as we said, um, not only with the front office but on the court. Um, I think, like Brian said, we're coming up to game 20. We're going to start to really kind of get a real feel for what this team probably is this season. So stay tuned because these next five games are going to be really important. So, Brian, you got anything before we get out of here? I just really hope next time we talk, Steve, we're above 500. We're feeling <laughs> good about this squad. We're talking about on-court product only, and yeah. uh, vibes are good. I mean, if it's a certain off-court topic – and it went a certain way. I don't mind talking about that. So <laughs> yeah, it might come up. It might come up. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's all we got this week. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you know, it's not the the most memorable Blazer season to start, at least on the court. Um, but we appreciate everybody who's taking time out of their week to listen to our show. So thank you everybody, and we'll talk to you guys soon.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday, bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.